I'm having my one. Hello and welcome to the 32nd installment of the I'm Having My One podcast. That's the same number of podcasts as Beethoven's completed piano sonatas. It's also the same as the number of teeth in a human. And it's also the number of physical characteristics of the Buddha. So there you go. What a cultured bunch we are. Is this where with the uh, the thing you're going to lead into the denananas? Oh, no. It is now. What I did think I could uh, regale us with is the uh, all 32 of the physical characteristics of the Buddha. He must have level feet, thousand-spoked wheel sign on his feet, long, slender finger fingers, pliant hands and feet, arched inseps, thighs like a royal stag. Have you ever heard of this before? Thighs like a royal stag? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got the belly, but that's about it. A voice deep and resonant. Hello. A jaw like a lion. I've got a mane. <laughs> my name is Neil, and as ever, I'm joined by my partners in board gaming crime, Tom. Hello. No, no I'm Tom. You're Paul. <laughs> I panicked. <laughs> my name is Neil, and as ever, I'm joined by my partners in board gaming crime, Tom. Hello. And Paul. Hello. And on today's episode, we're going to chat about the game Roll for the Galaxy, which we've just enjoyed. Uh, we'll chat about other games that have tickled our board gaming pickle this week, talk about our usual six of the best from the Board Game Geek hotness, and our main topic titled Ready Player One. All of this and more after the musicy bit. So we've just finished playing Roll for the Galaxy, a game for two to five players designed by Wei Wa Huang. And Tom Lehman, apologies if I have mispronounced that, I think Tom is correct. Uh, this is a re-implementation of Race for the Galaxy. It's not an expansion, it's its own entire, um, it's its own entity uh, altogether. But if you're familiar with Race for the Galaxy, then the iconography and phases and stuff will remain familiar for you. In Race for the Galaxy, you're trying to expand your world and civilization. Gameplay ends as soon as one player has placed 12 world or development tiles into their play area or when the limited victory point pool has been depleted. Players are dealt a random starting world and faction combo, which will determine their setup and give extra dice and abilities. They'll also get two random world and development tiles that they can use. These tiles are always double-sided and always have a world on one side and a development on the other. A round in Roll for the Galaxy will find players rolling their cup full of dice and then secretly assigning the matching faces to the game's five main actions. Players will also elect one die to be their main action, although this die doesn't need to match the usual symbol. Players will then simultaneously reveal their choices and the main actions will be available for all players to compete in this round. So, for example, if you've allocated a die to the production section, but nobody picks uh, production as their main action, then these dice won't get used and immediately go back in your cup. The actions are explore, which is all about taking money or new world and development tiles to work towards. Develop, where you'll build new technologies depending on the dice cost. This also correlates to the end game victory point number. Uh, settle, which is the, the world building version of the develop action. Produce, which lets you place goods on your planets. And ship, which lets you convert those goods into much needed cash or precious victory points. The dice are multicolored, with each color having a certain spread of its faces. Some have more wild size than other, for example, where white die are the more basic in the game. Once either of the game end conditions are met, players tot up the victory point tiles and add that to the victory point value of their worlds and developments. Highest point scorer wins. All in all, I think this appeals well to folks who enjoy rattling a big old cup full of dice 
um, and it presents some great thinking space on how best to utilize uh, your dice and your finances. Um, the games are pretty quick, so I think this is a great filler. Um, and for me, the different setup combos of starting world and faction um, do uh, do well to give variety as well as an enormous bag of uh, multi-sided tiles. Chaps, what do we think? Uh, well, if you like rolling dice, it was good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to be said about um, chucking a load of dice. Um, I don't know that I've played a lot of dice placement games. Have we, have we played many like that? I'm trying to think what else there are, really. Um, we did Tiny uh, Epic galaxies oh yeah 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 well, it's just it's a good comparison point with that actually I'd, I'd forgotten a bit about that but um anyway um i think you got to admire a little bit what they're trying to do here yeah, using the dice as a way to determine the actions like that i think there's you know uh, a lot to be said for trying something different rather than just your standard kind of work placement or or whatever else in the original it was card placement i think right yeah, exactly. He'd play a card and that would sort of perform a similar kind of thing, which, as far as I can see from the, the pictures on, uh, on BGG, looks like you ended up with this huge sprawling thing all over the table. So the dice, I think, certainly works a little bit better uh, in that regard. I think it's pretty neat as well, right? Like it's, like you say, it's not a massive table hog. The tiles are, you know, inch and a half, two inches squared. Hello. Mm. There's one of the things that, I was wondering about this game as we were playing it. Is you play you've played it a high player count, I think, right now. No, I've played it at three twice. Okay. Is there any sort of mechanic that maybe we missed or I maybe misunderstood about uh having a big part of the, the game, right? Is that as a uh a part of the kind of the hidden element you determine where you're going to assign your dice. And if nobody has selected one of the different action types as their primary, let's put it that way, then any dice that other players assign to that action are lost to the next round. Is there some sort of mechanic where if you're playing with fewer players... Does it open up more faces? It opened up more of it. Because it seems to me that a a sort of slightly weird thing that if you're playing with more players, I don't know, what does this go up to? Five, the looks of it? Yeah, five. That is just almost inevitably going to open that up to being, to having fewer opportunities when, uh, when the dice that you've placed are sort of meaningless. Um, is there some sort of mechanic there that if you're playing with fewer players that that, that, it, that it deals with that in some way? I don't believe so. Um, and I don't know if it's really, I don't know if it's really necessary. I think for, for a two player game, it means that things will just flow quite quickly, right? Because the, remember, you're not like expending those dice. They just go back in your cup. So you do get to use them next round. Yeah, but it's hard um, not to sort of think of that as a wasted turn. Like I, I, I kind of, I'm through unfortunate dice rolling um had to split my choices on more than one occasion and then just wasted a load of dice. I couldn't do anything with those dice on that turn, you know. Um so could so, it be if you were spreading your bets that thin, would it be better spent to put some of the dice into reassign more often and then you can move the dice after yes, potentially. Um but you're you're on a two for one on the way in which that works with the reassignment, I think, unless you've got some sort of special ability, right? So it's 
it may be more of a gamble that kind of putting it and then counting on someone else doing it. My point is really that if you're playing at two, three players, that is much more of a gamble. And you might say, well, look, that's just part of the game and it impacts all players in the same way. So fair enough. But just sort of thinking about the the general kind of feel of the game, you know, I think I think this is going to be better at for me, it feels like it's going to be better at four or five players. Yeah, maybe it's one that we need to give that a go. I I quite enjoy. I, I think that the game would be quite boring and predictable and too much down to the luck of the dice if it was pretty much guaranteed that all five of those actions were going to come out every turn. I think there needs to be a bit of this. To... Yes. Yes and no. Um, I think... I think you'd still it would still happen, right? Even with five players, you, because people are choosing at random behind their screens, right? Of which which action they are taking, and so you that that is going to still happen. That just by coincidence, everybody might choose just one of those, but it's more likely that people are going to spread them across multiple. I think if there's a there's a larger number of players. Um, just just be through sheer number of players that you've got like five different actions or whatever it is people you know you've got five players that could choose all five of those and i think it's the kind of the 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 experience and the feel of the game that you are not you're not wasting I, I, you know I, it was something that i took away from it when i had those times sure it may be through poor play when i felt like i'd wasted dice and i could only do like one thing on a turn that that was not that didn't feel like a that wasn't a good feeling it didn't feel like that I'd, I'd done well that turn um whereas you had more players i think when you can do more things and it's really important part of this i think is that this game is a real parallel play sort of game right it, there is almost no interaction between other players at all and so that's fine you know people enjoy that and i enjoy that to a certain extent of uh, where you are just just planning out doing doing your own little thing right and that that sort of you're still waiting everybody's playing their actions out and you're waiting for other people to um to complete their actions before you all kind of start again but if you're the person there who've through maybe your own mistake sure has uh only got one thing to do and everyone else is beavering away for for two or three minutes uh, i think that's that's potentially a problem about this game for me okay so so long rambling points that let's hope most of that gets cut out of the edit um but i was surprised that there was not some sort of mechanic that you see so commonly in other games where when there are fewer players there is something that compensates for that in terms of the action selection. Yeah, I think I think it's tough. And, you know, I definitely struggled. First playthrough is always going to be hard, isn't it? But but, you know, I just wasn't getting dice that kind of complemented it. Now there is this mechanic where you essentially sacrifice a dice so you can then reassign something to be a bit more favorable. But you you know, you end up sacrificing quite a lot of dice, I think. Remember that any that the dice you assign to the reassign action goes back in your cup, so you're not it, having to pay to get it back. Yes, you don't have to pay to get it back, but 
it's it's lost from doing something for that round. And then if you still don't roll anything good, then you know if you're constantly using a rear sign or a couple of rear signs, then they're dice that could be used to actually get you further, and and yet they're kind of being wasted. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing about a game, but I found it very hard to actually just have any dice that could do anything meaningful on a couple of turns and and then you are just kind of sitting around waiting for for something to happen then aren't you okay so in a two-player game game roll a spare home white die and if the rolled face is a phase that wasn't selected by the player flip that tire over as well okay only in a two-player game though yeah Hmm. okay yeah brilliant okay great well that's that's the sort of thing i was uh imagining there would be i i disagree with you guys i think i think in a three-player game i think there is enough balance i think there's enough you know you i think by giving yourself the freedom to place any die for your main action Mm. supported by you know what whatever you've rolled um and then and then choosing a bit of reassign so i normally kind of gave myself like a primary focus of right, I want to achieve this, so that's what I'm going to put all my dice into that I can. And then if I've got any spares, I'll maybe hope for a bit of a ship and I'll hope for a bit of a production. Um, and I'll and I'll chuck one in reassign if I'm really desperate to get one of those others. But otherwise, I don't. I didn't really mind them going back in my cup for next turn. I th- I think that that whilst there's downtime, I mean, we still blitz through that in in 45 minutes as a learning game. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys. I didn't actually feel like there was much downtime, but no, it's not. No, no, it's, it's not that massive downtime. I think it's just it's not as fun when you can't do as much as other people, and that's not just limited to to this game. It's others as well, and and sure, in you play it again, and and it's and it's a bit different. And I I get that that is potentially just part of the game, um, but I think that is something that I didn't enjoy as much about this interesting the like the the money thing this was a, a quite a, a nice little tight element to the the game that until it, quite late in the game the, the like having enough money to buy your dice back to be able to do stuff was was tricky i think wasn't it yeah and i think that puts a great decision point on the ship action because oh, yeah, do i take definitely. the do i do i sell it for victory points or do i sell it for money to get loads of dice back to do more things next turn yeah completely i it was so tempted just all the time because i was struggling with the 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 money so much that it, i don't think i took points until at least halfway through what we were playing did you guys did you take points early on at all like when the opportunity was there that like when you can do colored dice on the colored planet uh and what was it so when you get three victory points from it how did that work in yeah so so each planet has a color each good type has a color and each you know each face of the die that you know you use for shipping has a color so you know if you ship off of a blue planet but nothing else matches then it's one victory point if you ship a blue good from a blue planet that's two victory points and if you use a blue ship to flip ship a blue dice from a blue planet that's three victory points right yeah so probably it's dumb to, to kind of not do that whenever the opportunity arises right right and i think i think there were times where i was like oh oh put i've got a blue planet and a blue product 
and I've got this blue ship available, but I really need the money. But three victory points is pretty is pretty tasty. The thing that I was lucky about, and I like I like I also really like their explore mechanic that when you're looking at taking a new tile, you can discard any of the tiles that you're working towards to get a plus one in your draw. So that yeah. if you've got planets, you're like, no, I don't want that. Well, at least you're not like you're not stuck with the terraforming Marses or the Ark Novas. You can just get rid of them and draw more and through doing that i was able to find um one that gave me one dollar every time i shipped off of a brown planet and one that gave me it was a lot of, it was a lot of um development actions to to, to earn it but then it was two dollars every time a settle action went played okay yeah which is great that is really good so that then saved me having to use explore actions just to get money uh, that's just it almost it's almost like a game changer that isn't it <laughs> <laughs> being able to earn the money every single time you're doing it which is great and, and you know i'd love to know what what sort of balance there is around all the different cards that you can get out on that right so and and we mentioned it last time we played on the pod and i tried to get an answer out of you as we we're finishing the game up but this is what made me the first time i played it immediately just want to reset and go again to explore the different tile combos and to see you know how any of that might have been different but I'm guessing from your initial reactions that not uh, that that hasn't gripped you uh, you guys in the same way. No, but I can see that it, it will grip other people, and other people would find that uh, exciting for sure. What what did we thought think about the design element of it? Like in sometimes a little bit difficult to see on on TTS, isn't it? But um, what what are your thoughts on the design side? So in the 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 the, the, the physical copy of the game, the um, the the development and the world tiles are good quality. You've got this massive bag to draw them from. You've got just tons of dice, um, which uh, which are all really, really nice. They're that kind of slightly smaller beyond the sun kind of size dice. And there's something really nice and tactile about putting your little screen in front of you and shattering, like clattering this big old cup around and spilling your dice out onto the table and then putting all them in their little places behind your screens. And then once everyone's ready, you all lift your screens away and... I don't know. I, I, I again, I, I really enjoyed this. I think it's a really good tactile game. But so the, the reason why I was asking you about that is that the the design. Sorry, let me I'll perhaps be a bit clear as well. What I mean is in terms of the artwork of it. This is twenty fourteen, fifteen, something like that. I think is it. Yeah. Um, and particularly being in that world of space, I was expecting actually to be a little bit more. Uh, uh, vibrant i say this in the knowledge that i recognized last episode i was whinging about the fact that uh void fall was too colorful <laughs> it just never pleased me but i wondered whether it was something about tts and whether you're playing it in person with the colorful dice and all these kind of things whether actually it you know there's more there certainly from what we were playing on tts i thought it looked a bit brown a bit drab but I think that somebody's getting lost in translation on TTS. You have played it in person, right? Yes. Yeah. And so is that, do you think that's just something that's being let down with that, with that mod on, on tabletop simulator? I mean, I think so. I mean, if I, if you, if you go to roll for the galaxy on BGG and click on the first available image, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and that does look, look pretty colorful, but it's, it's always hard to tell like people souping up their images or not. I don't know. They turning the saturation up having played it in person. Do you think is that representative of, of what it's like? 
Yeah, and I don't think it needs to be like I think it's I think it's you know a step up from Beyond the Sun, which is quite which is quite bland in color wise. The artwork is a bit kind of eclipsy in that you know in in the in the kind of the style of the sort of the cartoony space. Yeah, Eclipse is thing. nicer than this though. I think isn't it? The artwork in Eclipse is better, wouldn't you say? Uh, sure, <laughs> I think it is. Like it's just this. There's you know if you look at some of the the cards there. I don't know. I just I just think they're they're not as as exciting, or what we were looking at, not as exciting as they potentially could be. It's, you know, it's with with space stuff. You expect it to be, I think, a little bit more uh, vibrant colors against dark, very dark blues or blacks or something like that. You know, so so yeah. I think, especially for the size of the tiles, like going back to kind of the artwork. I'm I'm pro the artwork. I think they've done it really well. You know, the iconography is nice and clear. I like the color palette that they've used and stuff like that. So, you know, I do think the artwork's kind of a, a big plus for this. And and people do like chucking loads of dice, right? Uh, yeah, and I can see why this is kind of, you know, liked by by lots of people. Scores on the doors then, Paul? Right, now after saying that, I didn't really like this game. I thought there was too much randomness in how the dice how the dice were rolled i thought it was very difficult to kind of get the the tiles you want i know uh, and maybe i do need to play it again but i completely missed that rule about being able to sell off one of your tiles for two more so i found it very limiting because i didn't get any like nice dice combinations where i had like lots of the same colored dice and i didn't have any particularly helpful tiles and things like one of the one of the ones I got out early on allowed me to reassign a green dice to anywhere I liked. And it wasn't until like the penultimate round, I got my first green dice, you know, which kind of sort of limits things. But um, after all that waffle, uh, I'm going to give it, if we're going on board games ratings from BGG, which is kind of how we do it. I'm very much mediocre, take it or leave it, which is a five for me. Cool, Tom. I think we're sort of fairly similar. I was looking at my scores just now to see where I'd want to rate it. Um, and I think it's somewhere between five and six for me. So I'll go 5.5. Oh, eight from me. An eight. Okay. (laughs) We're different ends of the scale on this one. So what gives it the eight for you then, Noel? Well, I'm just taking it for what it is. It's a 45 minute game. It's a good gateway game. It's got a good theme for me. I like rolling the dice. I like working out what to do with the dice to make, to make that a bit of an efficiency puzzle. And yeah, I'm even even still after after this damning review. I'm uh, I'm still uh, quite keen to 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 reset and and play that again and just kind of tinker with it and fiddle with it. But but isn't that the great thing about board games? Is there are so many different ones. I I definitely see that being a family game. But however much I want to encourage my kids to play board games with me, I don't think this is the one I want to play. Excellent. So that was Roll for the Galaxy. Uh, Sounds like there's quite a differing opinion. So, uh, listener, why don't you check it out and see what you think? So that was Roll for the Galaxy, but that can't be all we've played. So in this segment, we'll chat about some of the other games uh, that we've been um, undertaking in the last fortnight. Tom, why don't you start us off here? Yes. So we had a game of what I've found to be the excellent Santorini. So this is a game that you've talked about a few times uh, Neil and is from 2016 from from Roxley Games and 
mentioned it as a sort of having a, a bit of a chess uh, element to it and it's the one that is you know based on those beautiful uh white greek buildings in santorini with the blue roof domed roofs on the top and you're building your towers up and you're sort of trying to second guess what your opponent's going to do and you know get yourself up to the three levels uh to, to be able to win and put your little meeple on the top um but there's just a sort of delicious little uh, <laughs> kind of blocking thing that you can do with it so uh you just think oh i've managed to just think this out sufficiently uh and then somebody finds a way to to bounce across and um uh, and, and cap your your tower so you can't go to the top and claim the points uh, and we played this three times uh it's super quick as well and i've got to say i really really enjoyed it this is a game that i've missed out on playing i feel like um yeah true truly excellent game uh santorini if you've never heard it or had a go do check it out it's um beautiful mm-hmm. in its simplicity so really glad that uh, oh you've you've played, played this before as well yeah, absolutely love this game. Like Tom, as you were saying, it's kind of like chess light, isn't it? It's um... yeah, but don't don't like it, it. It's light in the sense that there is limited amount that you can uh, like your pieces can do. Right, it's not that you've got a a knight that moves this way and the queen moves that way, but it's no less of a sort of strategic thought process that you're going through. No, no, not at all. I didn't. I didn't mean it like it's kind of chess on easy mode. But as you say, you can <laughs> rattle out, you know, a ten-minute game, can't you? Whereas, uh, at least for me, chess takes a bit longer just to get the old uh, cogs whirring. But you know, you you do need to be like that two or three steps ahead. Yeah, you can't just you know go go at a time. And uh, yes, yeah, a lovely little strategy game. So I'm going rogue here on our whole one game each uh, since we played last week. So Tom, we also played on Itama. How did so? You I'm, find? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, it's the same sort of thing, really. Right? Is is a version of chess, and this is chess via movement action cards. <laughs> right on a five by five grid, and the whole game is limited to five action cards. Yeah, yeah, uh, and. Oh my goodness! You need to concentrate on this one, in some ways even more, because you've got to be with this one. You can only play. Imagine your any any of your your chess pieces sort of have the freedom to move wherever they want, but only within the movement parameters of the two cards that you have in front of you and one of those might be move forward one move to the left one and move right one but the other one might be uh moving forward two or something like that those are the only two things you can do but you play one of those cards and then that put gets put back in the kind of general market that the other person can take and you get get the one that they played last time as well and so you're kind of thinking ahead okay if i play this one and then 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 you know, they are going to play. I think they're probably going to play that one, which would then give me that card that allows me to do that. You know, great. In some ways, much more of a thinky kind of game I found um, than Santorini. Um, but again, yeah, genius in that same sort of format of uh, uh, chess-like games. Excellent. I'll uh, be sure to uh, 
to leave Santorini out for the next time we're having a little two-player night and we haven't got quite got time for uh, for another game of Battle of Britain or something. Yeah. Ah, there's always time for another game of Battle of Britain. Isn't uh, excellent. Paul, what have you been up to? Uh, so Tom taught me how to play Lincoln, which is a sort of a card-driven American Civil War little strategy war game. And I was absolutely hooked. It was absolutely brilliant. One player plays as the North, one player plays as the South, and you go on. And kind of to simulate like that, that more realistic how it was, at the start of the game, the the southern uh, the southern armies have a lot stronger cards that they can play to give them boosts for battle, and the northern army is a bit weaker. But as you reshuffle your deck, you shuffle different cards in, which makes the southern armies progressively weaker and the northern armies progressively stronger, which is a very clever mechanic for that to work. It's so... It's got quite a high level of strategy. There's not massive amounts of luck in it, I would say. I mean, there's a bit of luck depending on what cards you might draw for your your next round. But I found, you know, you kind of have to build up your armies and gauge how the other person's building up their armies. I said to Tom at the time, it had a bit of the Twilight struggle about it where you might want to go somewhere, but I'll look. You know, Tom's put a few more troops in on on the Western Front. And so then you feel like, oh, I've got to stick some troops there, even if actually that's not what you're doing. Uh, yeah, Tom, so thanks for that. I was, yeah, it was a good one. It was a lot that? of fun. Excellent. All righty. Thanks for that, Paul. So for me, it's been a pretty good couple of weeks. I thoroughly enjoyed losing another two scenarios of Battle of Britain to Tom. Currently sitting at four and zero, yeah. And I also, like I say, I enjoyed our little uh, our little impromptu night on TTS. We did Santorini, we did Onatama, and we did some Hero Realms as well that night. Um, but the real jewel for me has been the arrival of Turing Machine, um, which we have talked about on the podcast a couple of times. I didn't rush out to get this. I struggled a little bit. I'm, I was kind of a bit gutted that I didn't pick it up at the expo because it is now out of stock, and I. Um, I was quite lucky to just put one of those pleas out on a Facebook book, uh, f- Facebook group to being like, yo, I want a copy of Turing machine without getting my trousers pulled down. <laughs> uh, someone came, came through at retail cost for me. So I was very happy about that. But this is a, um, a mathematical puzzle game where you'll pit your wits against uh, a real analog computer. Um, this is designed by Fabian Greedel and Johan Levitt. Um, and it represents the fine work of Alan Turing and his enigma-breaking device. The game comes with multiple scenarios to set up, but there are literally hundreds more online, so it's just... Um, this has become Louise and my daily 20-minute coffee break game. We're always tempted to play a second, but we've been quite disciplined to just do one a day, but we're literally doing one of these every day. Um, and Lou's pretty good at it as well. She's she's certainly... she She's up on me at the moment. I also had a really proud moment this week when I was out for a day at the cricket and uh, when I messaged Lou to see what she was doing, she was playing Turing Machine solo, boys. That's right. What? My wife, solo board gaming. What have me. you done? You've broken through some sort of barrier here. This is, this is <laughs> right? I swear, like two weeks ago, she was mocking you for the same thing. Bear with. I also oh. came round like the day after and a friend of hers was round and I found her teaching her friend to play Turing Machine with her. Louise, I'm so proud. She's a Cylon. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it, we had a little so, go. So <laughs> we had a little go at this uh, on Friday as well, didn't we? And it was um, really impressive. And I loved that little thing, as I said to you on Friday, that you're treating it like a little coffee break game. Right. So it sounds like a good few weeks of gaming all round. Um, we usually post pictures of what we've been playing on our Instagram channel. So head over there and tell us what you've been playing this week. You can find our Instagram and the uh, link to join our Discord channel over at imhavingmyone.com. All right, so on to our six of the best topic, where we draft two games each from the top 50 of the Board Game Geek hotness. Paul, why don't you kick us off with your first pick? So my first pick this week is Plantanubo, uh, which is from The Game Builders, which is a a good company to publish games under, I think. Uh, this is a sort of drafting worker placement game where the world has uh, gone to pot and, you know, kind of with all of the horrific disasters that, you know, we've seen over the last couple of months, uh, you know, it's not not hard to, to believe that, it's you know, we're not too far away from this. And essentially humanity is going back to living in trees. Um I've made this sound a lot bleaker than uh, this game. No, no, I I'm imagining Ewoks, to be fair. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So, so in this game, you're you're using the tree to grow and harvest and and try and keep humanity going and keep your little tribes alive. Um, it looks like a very clever game. It's it's been produced to quite a, a high quality standard. Um, it's on pre order at the moment for sixty three euros, which is about fifty eight quid. But I think what's in the box, I think it looks good. I think the artwork is great, um, and I think the mechanics seem, you know, quite quite a clever way of of trying to work out. You know, oh, do I grow this tree or do I harvest this little plant to give me a few more resources? Uh, I think a lot of these types of games, you know, that that kind of managing your resources and managing your actions carefully is going to be really key in this. Excellent. Good. Plant a new boat. Look forward to it. Tom, what was your first pick? Mine is the game Apiary. So this is the game announced in the last week from Stonemire. Uh, of Wingspan and Scythe and most recently Expeditions fame. The designer here is Connie uh, Vogelman and uh, the first time design for, for them, which is cool. And the art is by uh, Quan Choi Moira, uh, who's done quite a bit of work uh, you will have heard on, uh, heard of, uh, including Under Fallen Skies, Cryptid and the uh, game Dinosaur Island Draw and Write, to name but a few. This game is set in a future version of Earth where humans have died out and honeybees have come to be the sentient species that's taken over, naturally. Uh, there is no detail on how humans died out, but perhaps the bees finally got their revenge and stung us into oblivion after being killed off by humans for the last hundred years or so, right? So uh, the game seems a bit like a sort of work placement 4X with bees, so or 3, 3X anyway, where you explore the galaxy with you these advanced bees and gain resources and develop your bee civilization it's got lots of bee theme going on kind of wax uh collection uh to hibernation the the apiary bit found out if anyone was interested is apparently where you would put multiple hives together didn't know that and you, you there's lots of variety in it as well so you've got 20 different factions you can play have a 
and different starting hives. I'm slightly in two minds, uh, as always, with the art. It just means a lot to me. So the artwork used here, I, I, I don't know, I'm just a bit mixed on it. I think overall I like it, but I'm not totally fan of the little miniatures they've they've created, um, which are your your workers uh, that you're placing onto the, the places on the board, your worker bees. Um, I do like what they've done with them in the sense of the power rating is that they've created them as a imagine a, a dice with either end of a B stuck on the end of it and you can just rotate it for different sort of power ratings strength if you like but they don't look great it might just be it's the prototype images that i'm seeing and the final thing would be fine but I'm just not quite sure about that bit of it and it's it a bit looks not- like something like sid would make in toy story <laughs> you know where he's just taking Head of a, a baby of things and, yeah <laughs> uh I, I think it's just a bit of a funny one with with stone my if you kind of have a, a think about some of the games that we've spoken about on this podcast like wingspan and side which are made with such high production quality and look fantastic uh, and you know probably chucking viticulture in there as well I, I, from my own experience i have some issues with the little wooden pieces in viticulture and they, they're real fragile but then there's other things that i think are a little bit more like this in their game tapestry that I just uh, something went wrong in the design of those for me because it just it it just isn't as perfected and as beautiful. And I think this probably is in that that uh, more tapestry side of things. Anyway, this game called Apery plays in sixty to ninety minutes. It's for one to five players. The one player bit is that now kind of fairly standard Ultima Solitaire mode they do, uh, and the game itself is out from October. So this sort of pre-orders around that kind of time, and I think you can be able to pick it up at Essen as well. Excellent. Alrighty. So my first pick, I gravitated towards straight away, and that was East India Companies. Um, this is designed by Pascal Rebral uh, and produced by Hutch. Uh, this has just come out this year uh, and is now widely available in the UK for sort of the early 40s marks. I thought about 43 quid on board game prices. This is for two to four players where each person takes on a naval fleet. Um, which is used to go and explore and to pick up and and and, and buy spices, tea, uh, coffee and silk from various onboard locations uh, before then bringing it back to London to sell to market. Um, you can manipulate that by enlisting the help of agents who are going to like drive up the prices of your goods. Um, as well as expanding your fleet um, with different abilities. You can change the, you know, the cargo size of your hull and the speed and all that kind of stuff. Um, it looks like a fairly simple, fairly fun little pick up and deliver game um, set on the high seas, which is a theme that I'm always happy to get into. Um, this probably isn't the coveted pirate game that we're all looking for, but it still looks fun. It kind of gives off a bit of that kind of cosmos vibe. Um, so it's something that I'll definitely look to, to give a go. Don't know if it's got its own place in my collection, but it looks fun for now. Yeah, the, it's the the images look look really cool, right? The, the little ship tokens that they've got on here, but also what you're describing there that you're doing as part of it. I think it it feels <laughs> like this 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 pirate game again. When are we going to find it? But the pirate game we all want it to be, we want to just create it ourselves. So yeah, I, I would be interested to to give this one a go for sure. Yeah, it looks like it's a fairly Fairly simple, fairly quick little sort of, yeah. again, probably almost, uh, uh, it says age 14 up. I don't know if it's like a, a family for sort of for teens to who are getting into board gaming, but 
I don't see anything that looks overly complicated there. No. Without being too nerdy about it, some of the age ratings aren't just about complexity of the game. It might be to do with the pieces that are used, the size of them, uh, the toxicity of them and things like that. Mm. Good, Good knowledge. knowledge. Good knowledge. All right, so that was East India Companies. Paul, we're back to you. What was your second pick? Back to me uh, is Farms Race. Uh, so it's like Arms Race, but Farms, because it's got animals in it. This is a kind of spoof on Settlers of Catan, and they're quite open about that. That's not a, you know, something they, they say that their inspiration has come from that. Um it's published by Medium Brow Games. It's uh, designed by Daniel Dranove, who worked on Cards Against Humanity, whatever we feel about that, and Tom Wiener. So, well done, guys. Um, sure, like, how much of this is puns that it's Mr. Wiener and it's Medium Brow Games, not uh, not necessarily high or low brow, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I Just love me. it. So, it's... <laughs> It's a game for three to four players. Um, it, as I say, it highly parodies um, Settlers of Catan, and, and actually, the gameplay looks good. You are building out your particular farmyard faction. Uh, instead of the longest road, there is the bonus for having the most nukes. Uh, you can upgrade your your little dudes, and essentially, you're putting them into combat fights to try and control areas of the map and then much like in settlers of Catan, if you can turn certain areas on a dice roll that's going to uh, gain you different resources which then allows you to upgrade your troops more i think the game looks very good but i wonder if it's going to kind of suffer from that novelty sort of tongue-in-cheek experience where they might have a good game there, but because they've gone down that route, I wonder how the replayability is going to sit with it. You know, when I first looked at the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter has just finished, but um, they're doing a, a late pledge uh, pre-order for the for the same price. So $45, so about £35 for the base, base set, and then up to $100, so... 80 odd pounds i'm trying to do the conversion in my head um with you know deluxe play mats and nice dice bags and you know all of the extras that you kind of expect from these kind of kickstarters uh, and stuff like that so i think there's potentially a good game in there but i wonder if it's a good game to play once and say haha that was fun and kind of move on excellent tom your second pick yeah, my second is the Isofarian Guard reprint. Uh, or Isofarian Guard, which is in the hotness because of its reprint. It's on Game Found right now. Um, the game, the, the first printing came out this year, actually. And uh, it does appear to be something that's pretty well thought of. So I was looking at this myself as something that I might back because it does support something that I always like to sort of look out for which is a single player campaign when we're on the surface of it i think the game here could look quite good uh game is set is in world uh, of isofar and you're playing as a member of the guard and completing quests and so on and you know insert 
slightly generic fantasy description here, but you know, not being critical about it. I think there's they've got something good going on, and they made a lot of effort in the sound recording. It was like the video uh, acting they do. So think a little bit of um, Forgotten Waters or something like that. That they've got that uh, that voice cast um, to to complement the, the story, which I think is cool. But there's a lot here that I think this game makes this game look quite faffy. It uses the uh, the poker chips a little bit, like um, the chip theory. The chip theory, yeah, which I think works there. I don't think it really quite works for me in this setting. It just doesn't it doesn't quite um, fit in somehow. Um, the campaign book sort of looks quite Gloomhaven. I think no, George, George of the Lion, sorry, Gloomhaven, George of the Lion. Uh, and I think they are, you, you know, trading on that. Like, so there are so many of these games now that are they're building on, on the Gloomhaven popularity. Uh, and no doubt, no doubt the artwork looks great. Um, but it looks like it's a huge amount to keep track of. Um, that as you're going through this campaign, you've got a little track here for that, and that's going on over there, and this going on over there. Uh, there's also a, that Adventures of Robin Hood style advent calendar taking uh, little uh, pieces of the board out, segments of the board out, and replacing them and so on. Um, so yeah, kind of number of things going on there. It's quite expensive. It's $180 as a Ooh. minimum pledge um you know it's huge this box is yeah, massive. It's massive absolutely massive so i think you probably do get your money's worth there but it's just you know there's a number of things there and i, and I know there's this this um chap um board game jimmy on instagram who published uh some some stories about it or some content about it uh and i'm paraphrasing here so apologies jimmy if i'm getting this completely wrong uh, but i asked him for his opinion um based on on having played it and and the review that they gave was that it's good but a lot of flaws it's highlighting things like the unnecessarily big components long-winded gameplay uh, it has a good story but kind of just not something that feels you can come back and, and play regularly so overall it's kind of put me off i think it's an interesting looking game it looks great another one of these campaigns i was pretty close but i don't think i'm going to be going ahead with this one yeah, it looks uh, the the box the the box reminds me of the um, the too many bones all in chest right, which is just like teeming with stuff that's just. Have you have you seen the picture? Be the... I was just going to say, have you seen the picture on Board Game Geek of the cat in the box, but with the box lid stood up like it? You could you could use it to transport your cat to the vets. I wouldn't recommend it. It probably need air holes, but it is big enough for a cat carrier. Well, you know, if it's really no good at all, then yes, you can recycle it as a cat carrier. So my second pick was Nucleum. This is designed by Simone Luciani and David Tootsie uh, and published by Board and Dice. So this is a bit of a design power couple right here. Um, so Tootsie, you might have remembered me mentioning last week from Voidful. Um, he's also from the Imperium series, Anachrony. Um, and Luciani is one of the um, designers responsible for Tolkien and Grand Austria Hotel and Tartum and also Darwin's Journey. I remember when we backed Darwin's Journey, it was uh, partly because of um, the kind of the design team that were that were going behind it. So Nuclear is a uh, another heavy Euro game 
uh, in which players take on the role of industrialists trying to succeed uh, during the economic and technological boom of 19th century Saxony, uh, which in this alternate universe has been fueled by the early invention um, of uh, and the spread of the nucleum, which is a nuclear reactor. Um, so you're pa- you're playing in this kind of, well, according to the artwork, it's almost like steampunky 19th century. Artwork looks really, really good, like really like toxic and vivid um, in uh, in all of that. Um, players earn victory points by developing their networks, building and powering urban buildings, securing contracts and meeting various milestones uh, and some randomised uh, end game stuff as well. Um, each player also gets uh, unique asymmetric technologies, giving them special powers when they're unlocked. Um, gameplay is continuous, so players keep taking turns one after another, um, and there's no rounds or phases or pause and stuff, which is, I think, uh, quite a few games are trying to really bring that in now, right, where there's just so much uh, less downtime. Um, so so that definitely gets a big tick and a big plus. Um, this is a game that's getting a heck of a lot of heat, but it's a, a chunky uh, 3.96 complexity. I just I don't know how frequently um, it would get played. It definitely, definitely, definitely looks interesting. Um, I wonder for me if it's another like a voidfall, right? Where it's you know it's um, it's a, a pretty uh, steep affair to uh, to get into, um, and then how frequently really is that going to get played? Although I guess I guess nucleum's only I think the RRP is only about sixty five quid, so it's not as bad as uh, uh, in that sense. So yeah, if you fancy any more different themes to play for your heavy euros, then uh, then check out nucleum. <laughs> it looks like you're spot on in terms of the look of it. Fantastic. You know, the the design on this, I love the little buildings. And there's not so many images of it, but the little artwork of the buildings that you're placing into your board is is very cool. A little bit, little bit brass, maybe, in terms of some elements yeah. of the design. Yeah, definitely. I quite like what they've got clearly to to, to determine some of these tracks on the left. If you've got the one that's got like the the sort of the, the ancillary board, I quite like this little just the, yeah. the, the cardboard mechanism of showing like how far along those tracks are on the clickers. I quite like the look yeah, of that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Do you think there's a cardboard to do you take the cardboard in and out though? Yeah, yeah. So you'd then like you'd say that second one from the bottom is one click over to the left. Yeah. So you then lift that out of the little notches that are holding it in, and then slide it along, and then notch it back in. That looks. I wonder the the longevity of that. If you get into a um, you know, cardboard rubbing against cardboard situation, that starts to get frayed over time. I don't know. Right, because these are your player boards, right? Mm. I don't know. Interesting. Maybe super, super good quality. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they'll be fine. I haven't seen any gripes about um, component quality. So yeah. it looks like a bit of a table hog as well, though. But yeah, excellent. Good one. Great. So that was our latest picks from the hotness. We'll be back next episode uh, with an updated list of 50 to choose from. So uh, keep your ears peeled and we'll be back with you on that one soon. Alrighty. So our main topic this week is all about how to choose the first player. Some games will ask you to pick randomly. Um, Some groups might have their own methods for determining first player. Um, But what I'd like to start us off with is a little first player quiz. So this is going to be a quick fire round, so pen and paper at the ready. Uh, listener, if you'd like to play along with us, you can hit that pause button now before we get started. So I'm going to read to you the first player criteria, and all I want you to do is try and guess which game this relates to. If your answer is correct, but uh, different to the game that I've chosen for whatever reason, uh, then that's fine too. I 
cannot be bothered with a little comment saying, oh, that's actually also the uh, the starting player criteria for this board game that I've never heard of before. Um, to make life a little easier, these games are all in the BGG Top 100. Oh, okay. Um, bonus point. Quickly get that open. <laughs> bonus point before we start, and I guess this will be used to break any ties. I want you to, on your pieces of paper, write how many of the games in the top 100 have a specific starting player choice. What, have you been through them all? Yeah. Oh my God. I want you to guess how many I think it is from my research that is not <laughs> infallible. <laughs> okay. So, right. when so you, you, could write, you could write how many out of 100, or you could write it as a percentage if you prefer. <laughs> how do we work out the percentage, though? Oh, don't worry about it. Time is time is precious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, ready? Yep, yep, yep. I've written down a number. Question number one. The player who was most recently on board a ship. Oh, uh, yes. Question number two. The player born furthest to the north. Oh. Oh, I think I, I know, know what this one. is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question three. The player who has spent the least time on planet Terra in the Sol system, if all players are tied, choose randomly. <laughs> That's a very good way of saying youngest player. I like it. <laughs> all right, question four. Question four is the sneakiest player. Oh, oh what is that? Oh, I know this one as well. <laughs> it's really fun listening to your reactions with these answers in front of me. Oh, it's so easy when you've got the answer. I love hosting a quiz. You can never feel more intelligent <laughs> when you're sat there with a page of answers. <laughs> it is a quick fire round, so gun to the head. Uh, question five. The person who has most recently travelled to a place for the first time Ooh. Um, okay, question six, and don't come after me if my intel is incorrect, but from all of the games in the top 100, this is the only one, the 1%, that actually has the criteria, the youngest player. Okay. When's it ever the oldest player? I know, right? <laughs> I would also say out of this list of questions, there are only two of these games that we as a group have never played. Oh, well, then that might affect some of mine. Okay, question seven. The player who most recently had a deja vu. I'm sure you've asked me that question before, Noel. Most recently had deja vu. That must be. Is that in the top 100, though? Oh, no, it's not. Oof. Oh, no. uh, Oof. Right, Did you really, really just say, I swear you asked me that question before? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I didn't give you credit for that. Sorry, Paul. <sighs> Very much enjoyed that. <laughs> All right. Question number eight. The person who most recently saw wildlife. Yeah, good. Move on. Question nine. So this is so question nine is my like, oh, I'm going to win this one. <laughs> Whereas uh, I've always known that the, uh, the 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 person born furthest north is like oh that's always Tom isn't it? 
Uh, so question nine, uh, the player who visited Lisbon most recently. Oh, I wonder what that could be. <laughs> is is that in there, though? Yeah. Okay. I would absolutely love if it was Frosthaven. <laughs> is that a really niche? <laughs> All right. Question 10, the most humble player goes first. Oh, no, I put the wrong answer for something else because I know what that is. Uh... <laughs> Okay, I have to get rid of that one. I don't know. Most why. humble player. Oh man, it didn't we do this for a episode? Yes. What did we do? All right, question eleven. No, 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 hang on a minute. Question eleven, and there is a clear difference. The person who most recently visited Portugal. Oh. There aren't two games about Portugal in the top one hundred. I think you'll find there might be. Okay, so it's just Portugal. <laughs> All right, question 12. The player who most recently has been to another city. Do you know, right? Oh, that must be, no. If I get more than three, I'm going to be so happy. Mm, that's a tricky All right, one. I'm just so putting blue label for everything. Sense. All right, that was the 12 questions. Question number one. The player who was most recently on board a ship, chaps? Raiders of the North Sea? New. Uh, I put the crew, Mission Deep Sea, but I'm wondering if it's Feast for Odin. Okay. None of the above. It's one that I don't believe any of us have ever played, but I do really want to play this. It looks really, really good fun. Is Maracaibo. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Good Excellent. Answer. We're off to a that's good a, start, Thomas. Yeah, that's uh, zero four one. So, right, so something we've all played, the player who was born furthest to the north... Blood rage. Blood rage. Good. I, I put Brass Lancashire. Yeah, it should have been. <laughs> uh, the player who spent the least time on planet Terra on the Sol system. Terra Mystica. Is this Eclipse? It is Eclipse. Well done, yes. Tom. Second dawn for the galaxy. The sneakiest player, Paul, if I could have my copy back at some point. Oh, no. Oh, Clank. I put Battlestar Galactica. I put Battlestar Galactica. By the way, <laughs> listener, so far I've not got any right. I know <laughs> oh, we're no, no, only... Come on, you got Blood Rage right, didn't you? No, I put Brass Lancashire. I thought you were joking. I was like, that's based in the north. <laughs> and I know we've played it. I mean, Clans of Caledonia is probably yeah. slightly further the north. <laughs> but... <laughs> you're just giving up after four so the person who has most recently traveled to a place for the first time great western trail tom you clearly haven't read the rule book yet i wouldn't blame you you've only had it for a few days oh oh is it yeah um, lost friends of arnak oh well that's number six wrong then all about traveling to new places what did you put number six that's number five no but uh, number yeah. six i put lost ruins of arnak <laughs> what did you put for five Paul? Puerto Rico. Okay, good. And number six, the youngest, Thomas. I'm pretty sure this is wrong, but I put seven wonders. Oh, it's one of your favourite games. Ark Nova. Cascada. Yeah, Orleans. Oh. Ooh. Always love playing Orleans because I always go first. Uh player who most recently had deja vu. So the answer should be Mysterium. But Mysterium's Maybe. not in the top one hundred. So I put Mansions of Madness. I put Robinson Crusoe. It's a, it's a game that we haven't played. It's anachrony. Oh, I don't know what that, that game even is. It's all about deja vus. It makes sense. Uh, play who most recently saw wildlife. 
Ark Nova, surely. Ark Nova. It's going to be wingspan, isn't it? What if the wing, the uh, wildlife was an elk or a bear? Or oh, a cascade, yeah. Or a, yeah. I mean, I hate to dispute the answers with the quizmaster, but isn't it seeing one of those four wildlife? Well, who most recently saw wildlife from the game? Yes. Oh, that wasn't a question though. <laughs> no, but I also gave my disclaimer at the start that my uh, my say was final. Player number nine, the player who visited Lisbon most recently. I'm it, really is it War of the Ring Second Edition <laughs> or Lisboa? Points all round for Lisboa, correct? Yeah, one point. Most humble. I put Root Everdell. Everdell, correct. Knew it was to do with animals. Yeah, the player who most recently visited Portugal. Does anyone know the other Portuguese game? Yeah, I put Grand Austria Hotel. I put. <laughs> uh, I, I know this isn't right, but I put. Puerto Rico because it's got a P in it. Azul. Uh, of course. My mm. other one was Pandemic. <laughs> and you really did check out, didn't you? Oh, we're rubbish at this, aren't we? And the player who's most recently been to another city. Is this Great Western Trail? Nope. I put it. Seven Wonders. Oh, is nope. it Pandemic? Nope. We hated it as well. Uh... Uh, is it Roll like, for the Galaxy? You've got all the cities dotted around the outside of the board and, and you do go to the city to then do, take the cubes and do the little action. Ooh. Ooh, don't tell me. Uh, Lords of Waterdeep? Correct. Yeah, okay. I didn't guess that, but yeah, okay. And this, so that's that is, Crocodile. That is whose... Your effort so, levels on that quiz, Paul, were very low. So, Paul, how many did you get correct? One. All right, Tom? That is disgusting for you, Paul. Come on. Do better than that. Uh, I got... Well, it's, it's, it's okay. Don't do it again. I got one, two, four. Four, four. Excellent. Four. All right, listener. That's the benchmark. Let us know if you scored higher or lower than four. Um, how did we get on with the percentage of games that uh, have a start player criteria? So, uh, stuff like... So Clank had the sneakiest player, so I just dismissed any other iterations of Clank, right? So that's probably a couple that I'm assuming um, Clank Legacy has the same criteria, but yeah. Right. I put 25. It's pretty shocking, isn't it? Only 12 games. I was Well, I was also surprised how many of them were, like, it, basically it rules out all the co-op games. And it rules mm. out quite a few that were like auctioning for the first round. It ruled out a few that were like scythe, where it's just an initiative token. So yeah, but a lot of them were random. I did, however, find an absolutely cracking list, uh, courtesy of uh, BGG, on some of the funniest start player rules. Unfortunately, um, a lot of these games were uh, games that I'd never heard of. But I'd like to regale you with a few of these, if I may. Mm -hmm. uh, so if uh, we were ever to be fortunate enough to find ourselves playing a game of the Bridges of Shangri-La, the first player criteria for that is whoever has reached the peak of Mount Everest using nothing but blue and white checkered stilts carved from the wood of a mammoth tree uh, and is declared the starting player. In the case of a tie, the wisest player begins. That's good. Katagina, whoever looks most like a pirate goes first. There's a uh, a pizza <laughs> making... You'll win that, Paul. <laughs> I know, right? There's a, pizza making game. There's a pizza-making game called Mamma Mia, where play begins with the hungriest player. There's Snit's Revenge, uh, the person who can balance the most counters on their nose. 
Oh, that's what you want from a load of overweight board gamers is a test of agility before you start. I know. Uh, anathema, uh, left of the person who most recently cursed. I quite enjoyed that. Say left of you, Noel. <laughs> yeah. Sweary Uncle Neil. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, Das Grosser und Das Kleiner A. Uh, whoever is the person who always loses games. <laughs> Oh, Thomas. <laughs> Me. Uh, Coco Crazy, the person who can do the best impression of a monkey. Uh, uh, gold Rush City, which I enjoyed, which is all about the old uh, gold mining in the West. Uh, that is the player in most need of a shave, Paul. Uh, the Reef, the player from Cosmos, the player who can hold their breath underwater the longest. I'd like to see that tested. Yeah. There's a game called Quacksalber, which is about, you know, like medicine, and it's the person with the worst medical history. It's very funny. Uh, Chrononauts, which is all about uh, juggling um, your way through time without looking at the clock. Whoever guesses the closest to the current time, and uh, and yeah, and Mammoth Hunters, the uh, the hairiest player. You will win a lot of these. Paul. <laughs> We're just playing the wrong games, gentlemen. Just by merit of your foul appearance. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right. So, what are some of the ones that you guys have enjoyed? Um, so, Roll to the South Pole is whoever's got the coldest nose. Good. which I quite like but like games we've got Small World is whoever's got the most pointy ears yeah gets to go first um, Classic Ticket to Ride whoever's visited the most countries gets to go first cool. um, Smash Up is whoever got up earliest this morning and oh, as an insomniac I think yeah. I'm on for a win for that one <laughs> Munchkin um, which we've all played and kind of maybe fallen out of love with but is uh, decide who goes first by rolling the dice and arguing about the results and the meaning of this sentence and whether the fact a word seems to be missing any effect. <laughs> Slightly tells you all you need to know about Munchkin, that, doesn't it? I love Munchkin. Lamborghinis, um, which is like a sculpting game. And then what you have to do to decide first player is everyone has to try and sculpt a monster from their plasticine and then they vote on whoever's is the nicest and then that player gets to go first <laughs> the old pre-game game yeah it is like a little little bonus game little bonus round so paul any other first player choices so uh i have a app and then finger on phone it, yeah it will pick one Excellent. Yeah, I th- so I think I think the actual the sensible answer for me is that fingers on phones is the is the best one. Um, I also like that a lot of those apps will give you player numbers. So if you ever are going to play something, you know, semi seriously, if you're going to play, let's say, Twilight Imperium, where you're then picking uh, not only your seat position but your you know which order you'll choose factions in. I quite like a bit of structure every now and then. We've done the same with Nemesis, don't haven't we? Because you have. Uh, a player order in that one. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for unmuting for that, um, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was... You see the mute button come off, you're like, oh, something profound's coming up here. Hmm. I don't I don't like to to feel like the listener doesn't think I'm 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 here anymore. Contributing. Yeah, it's good. I do, I I like the the app and I like uh actually things like nemesis um that have that kind of player just draw like drafting characters and draft your your player order is uh is is, is a great way of doing it i think yeah 
Right. Well, then, if there's nothing more to say on that, then let's make like a shepherd and get the flock out of here. Um, that is our uh, top picks for uh, for how to determine the first player. We'd love to hear how you got on uh, in our little quiz. Um, and if you have also some great house rules for how you like to pick your first player in games, do let us know. Alrighty, that brings our 30-second episode to a close. Uh, hopefully we've kept it as close to 32 minutes as possible. I thought you said 30-second episode. No, that's what I thought. Like, hang on. I know, we've, I know it was the quick record, but I don't think it was that quick. Very good. Uh, as mentioned earlier, if you want to catch us on any of our socials, if you want to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, um, or come and find the link to come and hang out with us in our uh, ever-growing Discord server, then head over to imhavingmyone.com. We've been I'm Having My One. We hope you have yours too. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. I'm having my one.